Um, hello, Boiler Nation. This is your girl, Game Day Gabby, with Habitual Boiler and Rouse 23. Tonight, we have a very special guest joining us, one of our very own Purdue alum, Raphael Davis. Uh, Raphael, thank you for joining us. Um, and we are so excited for you to be here. Like I said, I am fangirling hard, so give me a minute to compose myself. <laughs> I appreciate you guys have me. I'm looking forward to talking with you guys. Rafael, um, this is a busy week for you, isn't it? Yeah, I'll be in Indianapolis uh, well, tomorrow through Sunday. And then I'll head to Chicago for a selection show and stuff like that. Are you I just wish I, wish I had I a job like that. <laughs> right? are, they, are, they, are they looking for more help? <laughs> Probably. I mean, they may be wanting to replace me. But no, I still um, I still get surprised. I mean, honestly, every time I get paid from this, it's like a shock to me. I can't believe, dude, it. you're you're really good. You're really good. Yeah. On the show, oh, I appreciate it. Thank you, thank you. I loved your um, how you were gonna shut down Keita Murray on, <laughs> on the network the other night. <laughs> right. Yeah, I think I was doing a good job. <laughs> yeah, and obviously, anybody who knows Purdue, you're a defensive standout. So. I think we are excited to have you on, um, kind of to discuss, you know, Purdue's own defensive uh, troubles, what you kind of think of that, um, what they can improve on, what you are kind of taking away from that. I think defensively, they've been getting a lot better the last few games, but I think they struggle sometimes. Well, two things that happens with their defense. They struggle sometimes just simply keeping the ball in front. Like Eric does a good job. Um, Jaden when he wants to. Sasha has heavier feet. It's a little harder for him. But I think that that right there is just the first step. Getting beat off the bounce. You see guards just kind of, I mean, have their way. Just kind of get just get into the basket. And when you get beat off the bounce so badly, it puts everybody else in rotations. And then Purdue isn't the greatest at rotating out of rotations. So once one person helps, then another person has to help. Then another person has to help. And it's kind of Everyone has to be locked in. So that's one thing, just keeping the ball in front. That eliminate a lot of things. And then two, starting – how do I say this in layman's terms? Uh, starting where you're supposed to start. Sounds simple. But not being out of position in the first place. Like, I mean, if you're going to shoot a gap and try to get a steal for a breakaway and you don't get it, it puts everybody else at just liability. Everybody else has to help. So I think those two things and then, and then just simply – and then um, sometimes it's like a free-for-all. Bad shots, which leads to breakouts. Bad shots are just like turnovers. And then you get a lead like that, 10, 12 points. You, you naturally start to react. and the, I mean, start to relax. And then the Big Ten, no matter if you're playing, I mean, obviously you're playing Nebraska, you're playing Indiana. It doesn't necessarily matter. If you give teams in the Big Ten a little bit of wiggle room, they, they stay right there with you. Because, I mean, I think – I think people need to realize too that although you're seated one through 14 in the Big Ten, like the number 14 team in the Big Ten is still a Big Ten school. Like they're still getting Big yeah. Ten recruits. Like they're, yeah. those guys just aren't, like Jamison Battle could come to Purdue and play. And Peyton right. Willis could come to Purdue and play. So it's, you get guys like that, confidence and keeping them around, they can beat you at the end of the game. That's Payne always says winning on the road, you got to win by 10 if it's anything closer. Crazy things can happen. So we've seen crazy things happen. <laughs> yeah. 
But I think with defensively, though, it comes down to taking good shots, taking care of the ball. That, that keeps teams out of transition. I mean, think about Michigan State, 17 turnovers. That's just it just off. That's just creating offense for Michigan State. But then um, just not getting beat off the dribble, just keeping the ball in front, things like that. So when you earlier, you had mentioned rotations and how like Sasha's got a little heavier feet and they're not as maybe quick side to side with their mobility. Do you think that this might have been a year where Coach Painter maybe looked at not doubling the post so much? Because it seems like with that defensive strategy, you need to be able to have your guards especially rotate on that weak side because we've been seeing a lot of times that they've been getting beat with that. They bring that double and that post is making that pass to the opposite wing and it gets everyone kind of off balance. Do you think that might have been this particular group maybe could have benefited by more just letting Travion and Zach go deal one-on-one in the post? Um, no, I don't think so. I don't think that... Um... I, I get exactly what you're saying, but I think if you don't double Kofi Coburn, like he, he, you had liability of fouling Zach and Travion out of the game, and then you let him get his head up, and then those guys are going to make shots regardless. So I think it's kind of you pick your poison against some teams. They don't double everyone, but you see, like, they don't double the Northwestern starters, but you see them double Ryan Young off of the bench. Because you see where Ryan Young did against Michigan State and won them a game. So I think you pick and choose on which bigs you do double and how you double. But I th- I think the guys know what they should be doing and they're good enough to do it. Like, rotating out of a post-double is honestly not that hard. Like, it's just, like, you know, exactly, you know, I mean, you it's just knowing personnel. You're not going to close out hard to everyone. So some guys you're going to close out short to. The other guys, you're just running them off the line, not trying to let them get a, get a shot. But Another thing about doubling bigs, bigs don't normally pass it well out of doubles. They may get it twice a game, but then they also – they may get twice a game where they get that cross-court pass three, that's six points. But if they have four or five turnovers out of that double team, it works. So I think, I, think it, I think it works. It just depends on who you're doubling. And sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. But I think when you, when you, when you have principles and – like this team is the same exact team from last year. So when you have certain principles and then you try and change them two or three years in, it confuses guys. Like so, playing a zone, like I know guys, I mean, I've been seeing people, we like, we tried to play a zone. Like, I don't know if um, people remember that. I remember we, that. Yep. We, played a, we had a zone coach come in. We played, we tried to zone. He was like a Hall of Fame zone coach. <laughs> came, this is my sophomore year. We were about to play, we were about to go to that Jim Beheim? No, it was it was the guy that actually what goes to Syracuse as well. He teaches this it's the same exact zone principles as the Syracuse zone. So like the playing the passing lanes, that's what we had myself, Basil Smotherman, Vince Edwards. This was my junior season. So 2000, 2015, 2015, 2016. So we go to Maui and we tried to zone against Bruce Weber in Kansas State. And they lit that shit up. <laughs> oh, I remember. I was gonna say, I'm glad you touched on that because I see that on Twitter all the time. Like what is yeah, it? Yeah, they tried it and then it just didn't work. We weren't good at it. And then like the D it's and, and then another thing with that too, two things. I would have never won defensive player of the year if we stuck with it. So selfishly, <laughs> I really <don't>. <laughs> <laughs> like, three things. So and then the second thing is when coach 
brought in the zone coach, it just was completely just disrespectful, I felt, to myself. Like, he just had no faith in anybody defensively, so he brings in a zone coach. And then third, I mean, no, if you look back and you, I don't know, I'm not, I, I mean, I'm going to say it, actually. I probably am factual. No team necessarily has won a, the Big Ten to play in all zone, to play in majority zone. If you can't man up in the Big Ten, you're just not going to win. I mean, you could throw a zone in there every once in a while, switch it up, but, like, Wisconsin is playing man-to-man. Yeah. Illinois yeah. is playing man-to-man. Michigan State is playing man-to-man. Ohio State, I mean, majority of – Michigan may switch it up. Rutgers may switch it up, but normally guys are playing man-to-man. I'm, I'm totally with you. I I, I thought if, if Purdue ever had that – uh, in their tool bag, it would be something to flash coming out of a timeout, just to change things up one or two possessions, just to keep people on their toes, right? <clears throat> so, and it's just also with the zone and the Big Ten, it's such a it's a rebounding thing as well. It's a rebounding, checking out type of deal. It's just, I mean, I don't, I'm not a fan of the man because we tried it and I seen how. Guys just did like if you can't learn how to like if you can't learn man to man principles, zone principles are harder. If you're actually if you're actually wanting to do it right, like if you you got to know exactly where you are, what third of the court, if you're below the free throw line, above the free throw line, you got to know when you're jumping out in the passing lane, when you're doubling. It's more complicated to teach a zone to me, in my opinion, than it was to learn the just the basic paint defense. And if a team that has you, Octius, Basil, Vince, and AJ in the center, which theoretically for a zone, you want guys that are longer and can cover more. And if you guys can make it work, there's not a Purdue team that's going to be able to pull one off because right there's a collection of some of like top. And then you have like Dakota off the bench. Like that's between you, Dakota and AJ, that's like, three of the best defenders of the last 15 years that have come through Purdue. Yeah, yeah. No, even, even John Octius, I mean, like John Octius used to, and I say it now, I already got the award, but teams, like, they would give me credit for guarding guys that John Octius guarded. Like I remember specifically like Andre Hollins, I think he went like three or 13 or something. They said I guarded him. I took it, but that was all John Octius. So, I mean, <laughs> so, so, so Leah, like you saying, if we didn't understand it, we weren't, doing it correctly because I mean, we could have beat Kansas State I think the guy I forget his name I think he I mean just made mat, uh, tons of threes top of the key like it just was bang, bang, yep. and it just and also I think losing to Bruce Weber painting like that either so we, <laughs> we we never went back to that zone after that first half did, did you like playing against zones it's much easier to like the way well with the guys I play with most well, the last two years, the guys I played yeah. with, like once Vince got there, I mean, Vince could pass, he could shoot, he could dribble. So you get the ball to the high post. You got a postman down there laying wood. It's easy to play against. You got shooters, Dakota, like Dakota, PJ, those dudes pick up our zones. Like you try to play a zone against, I, I mean, Illinois, it's going to be a long day for you because those dudes are flamethrowers and you let Corbello drive it and it's just a lot that can break down. I think if you're going to do a zone, that has to like Syracuse does it. That's Syracuse's culture. You have to. That has to be like ingrained in you. Can't just be oh halfway through the season we're not playing defense. Let's try this zone. 
to go into your painter, I know habitual boiler, you had some questions for like what he thought just playing for a coach painter was like. Well, I guess it's more like when you commit, let me start with Ray. You're one of my favorite Purdue ball players ever. And I, this is awesome doing a podcast with you. So thanks for coming on here. But when you committed to Purdue, did you, was it everything you expected? Was it less? Was it more? I, I the, the mean, basketball team or to the campus, like the school? Everything. Okay, just being transparent. I mean, no, I think every ball player growing up, you expect college to be like, he got game. I don't know if you guys have seen that movie, yeah. he got game. So yeah. the party scene wasn't what I thought it was. I mean, it was, I had never even heard of a frat. So that was new to me. Like people jumping around for fun. Like that was a, this is a shell shock. So that was new. But as far as basketball, as far, I knew the classes would be hard. I did. I knew that. Uh, my mom has a Purdue degree. So I knew yeah. the classes would be hard. But basketball wise, yeah, it was, even though I did not play how much I wanted to play, I like the first non-conference, like I wrote the bench. Like I was the, I was, and this is no disrespect to him. But I was Brandon Newman of my teams my first two years. Just I could re- I could really understand what he's going through. Like I get in the game, I make a mistake, you know, playing the rest of the game. I'm looking over my shoulder. I'm a little nervous. But not to say I didn't expect that, but I knew that going into it that if you didn't play it a certain way, you just weren't gonna play. Like my Deshaun Thomas, Deshaun Thomas, who went to Ohio State, he was all American there. He graduated in 2010. But he had committed to Ohio State early. So his freshman year, he come back to Fort Wayne from the same neighborhood. And he saw me. And he just, I had just committed to Purdue. And he said, yeah, I know you can score. Those dudes at Purdue just play. They play D. And he said, if you can't play D, you're not going to play. And this was my junior year in high school. I kind of let it go one year, not the other. But so you know that. Going, paint's, not, paint's not the guy that's promising you minutes. He's not promising you shots. Like, I remember one of the workouts, one of the assistant coaches looked at me. I scored a bucket, and the assistant coaches can get hyped sometimes. <laughs> I scored 2,000 points in high school. Paint was just kind of like, I don't care about that. Like, he's here now. You can't play D, you're not going to play. And right. that's understood going into it. I always knew. And I committed so early. So I got to – wasn't a guy that committed late. So I got to see Rob and each one of those dudes from their freshman year on. So I got to see, like, how they were treated. So – it was kind of what I expected. Lou Jack was a real close mentor of mine. He always kind of told me what it was, kept it straight with me. I I love that you brought up Brandon Newman because I I know that like you probably see it, we see it. Like everyone's asking like why is it Brandon Newman playing? Um, I think Ray just told us he's going to be defensive player of the year. Yeah, and I guess I was. Is it hard then once you get out of it? To like, yeah, like you're kind of saying, like you're kind of nervous or you're looking over your shoulder or you're just like, you can't, like he's the type of player that needs minutes to get going and because he's not getting them, he can't get going. Um, I, like, what's I, your take on him? Um, my take is just he had, I mean, Jaden Ivey's a pro. I mean, he's a lottery pick. So you got a lottery pick in front of you. It's a little more difficult. Like for me, like I said, no disrespect to any of the teammates I ever played with, but I didn't have Jake Nivey in front of me. So mine was a little different. Yeah. But I mean, you got, J- you got Brandon, he's got Jaden in front of him. He's got Sasha, who's arguably one of the best sh- shooters we've had. 
So it's t- it was tough for him to find minutes in that rotation. And then he is a guy that plays through a rhythm. He plays through a feel of the game. He comes in, kind of feels it. He likes to dribble it a little bit. So he is a guy that needs shots and needs minutes. But also it comes to a point where if you're if you're not scoring the ball, you got to maybe be causing some disruption on defense, doing something yeah. special on that end. And I think after – I don't know if he was in his head. I mean, because it's easy to get in your head. Because, I mean, you got coach on you. You got your family telling you that coach is wrong. You got everybody on social media, especially at the start. Everyone was telling him how bad he was. Then now everybody's saying he should play. So it's one of those deals where maybe he's in his head a little bit. And when you start to get that feeling where you're constantly looking over your shoulder and constantly looking for approval from the coach during the game, you're overthinking it in a sense. So, so I think he's – I honestly – I don't know. We're talking, like, way ahead of turn because the Big Ten tournament still this week. He can come out and somebody goes down, he's in the mix. But I don't think he's a guy that's going to – I could be wrong, but I don't think he transfers or anything like that. I think he sees what's ahead of him knowing those guys are leaving. But, yeah, I think he's a guy that can definitely score the ball. He just kind of needs that. He plays through a feel. He's not a – not necessarily an energy guy. Some guys in yeah. his position will be a energy guy. Like Basil Smotherman was an amazing energy guy. He'd come in the game, give you four great minutes, and then you knew what you would get. Rebounds, blocks, steals. Brandon is really an offensive scorer, so he just doesn't have the opportunity right now. Right, because I've seen people talk about, especially when they go through some offensive slumps, that well, Brandon scored 29 against Minnesota last year and had some great shooting games. But I think if you look at this team where your three main players you expect to get shots are Jaden, Trey, and Zach, I don't think like the opportunity is going to be there for those like volume games from Brandon. And it right. seems like he's a guy that needs six, seven shots, maybe get into a rhythm where right now the role is you might get two or three, kind of like what Ethan Morton's doing. Like if you might get one open corner three and then you have to be attentive on everything else. And it kind of feels like he and Jaden at times on defense, they kind of tend to wander. They're not locked in for the entire time. So if you're doing that, it's hard to justify getting minutes. If you're need the ball in your hand to be effective on offense, you already have a really ball dominant pick, like you said. And if your defensive effort's not locked in, there's not really any minutes. Oh, you know, yeah, 100%. That was me. Like, that was that was me, and Drew Anthrop was Ethan Morton. That makes so. At the beginning of the season, I'm start out playing, I'm playing those minutes. Middle of the season, those are Drew's minutes because knowing I was a guy that scored the ball heavy in high school, I was a guy that could put the ball in the basket. I also needed minutes. I also needed like a flow of the game. Like I maybe needed to get to a free throw line and make a free throw to get going. Whereas though Drew could come in a game and he knew it so well, just IQ wise that he did. Some guys just don't need to shoot to, to affect the game and it doesn't affect them mentally. So you get a guy like Newman where his whole life, the way he brings value to his team is to score the ball, to get buckets. That's that's where he saw his value at. Even with this team, you think last year, 
Newman was the guy before Jay Nivey kind of took off. So and Ethan understands that he can, pat, he can pass the ball, he can rebound the ball, he's bigger, and then he's really committed to the defensive end. So I think with this team, it's so different from last year because of the emergence of Edie and J.I. that you just don't necessarily need that need that from him. And it's tough for a guy to adapt to that. Like, I, I was that guy. Like, it, it took me a lot. It took me turning into a defensive guy. <laughs> so, yeah. Well, I would I would say I can imagine, but uh, I, I wasn't quite the high school player that you were, so I can't really imagine. <laughs> yeah, no, it's, it's a lot, but it's, it's I think he I think I think he's a guy like you still see him on the bench cheering for his teammates, so he does get the opportunity. I think at this point he takes full throttle and goes with it. So I think I want to. Are you guys good to jump again to the Big Ten tourney and what he thinks? Yeah. All right. Yeah. Yeah, so I guess what are your thoughts on the Big Ten tourney? You don't have to talk just Purdue, um, just like Dark Horse and, you know, how it's all going to shake out. Well, no. Um, have you seen the odds, Ray? Yeah, I saw the I saw the odds. I try not to. I know, but you got to look. I'm just like not the – like even in the studio, like everybody knows at this point, like I'm just not the analytics guy. Like I'm – who'd you beat? When'd you beat him? Who was playing? Same. Where'd you be on what time in the season? Like that type of stuff matters to me. Yeah. Like if Rutgers, like Rutgers reminded me so much of, again, my junior season. We lose, we lose to North Florida, but I think Notre Dame, Vandy, and Gardner Webb right before Christmas. Like I don't think Kim Palm was around then, so I have no idea what Gardner Webb and North Florida were in the net. But those were home games, and then we went in the Big Ten, like the conference. Then we won three ranked games in a row and kind of solidified ourselves. So I think that matters. I think you separate non-conference and conference for a reason because it's kind of like a new season. But but I think for the Big Ten tournament, I mean, I've learned that Purdue fans don't like when I talk about other schools. But I think Iowa, I think Iowa is really playing well, even though they just lost Illinois. I think Iowa, especially in a tournament setting. Like tournament settings are a little different from just regular season. I think with Chris Murray playing confident, Keegan Murray obviously is going to be the best player on the floor against most teams. But then they've added Perkins into the starting lineup and put j at the point. So that – and Iowa's not really known for being just a defensive juggernaut. But putting Perkins in the starting lineup gives them a defensive presence from the jump. He's like – He's a dog. And now he's been scoring the ball. He's confident. I mean, Sanford's making shots off the bench. He hasn't seen a shot he hasn't liked all season. So I like Iowa's team, just their ability to play fast and score the ball. They could defend and rebound. They'll be okay. I really like Purdue's chances just because, again, I think they're built for more of a, a tournament-style type of game. And then they've just been getting everybody's best shot all year. I mean, they're – a rebound away against Indiana. I mean, the guy made a half court shot against Rutgers. I mean, the yeah. only true they got smacked up by Michigan. I mean, Wisconsin at home, but all the other games they just a, a hair away. So I don't think people are enjoying how good they really are. So I definitely think they and I like I like their draw. Like I like what Purdue has. You get it, Penn State. No matter 
I think Penn State wins Wednesday. I think Penn State plays Ohio State, and Penn State is tough. Like Penn State, even if they don't, even if they don't win, they just wear you out. Like John Hara is going to wear like EJ Liddell, Joey Brunk, Zach Key. Like he just physically is just so physical. Then like Seth Lundy is such a physical defender. I feel like he'll wear Malachi Brandon out. So they're a tired team already. You get them going going up against an energized Penn State team. So I like where Purdue is with that matchup. I also like Purdue playing Wisconsin again, just because I know it's hard to beat a team three times in a row. And I think again too, they did such a they did a great job. Like Eric Hunter did a great job on Johnny Davis. So I think the other guys will play better. And then when we play an inspired. Michigan or Indiana team or something like that. So they it's just a battle on the top of the bracket. I like Illinois. I just worry if they don't make shots, who or who do who do they become? Coleman Hawkins has been playing really well for them lately. He was like Coleman Hawkins was in a Brandon Newman situation and kind of dug his way out and now it's really affecting the game. So I, I think my three, if I had to choose three, I would go Purdue, Iowa, Illinois. And even for to make the deepest run in the tournament. Think those three would be my choices. I love that you, because um, you tweeted the other day. You're like, I, are these Purdue fans on Twitter? Because I get very irrational. Um, and I was, I love that you said that because yeah, we are a couple bounces away from a completely different record and everyone not melting down. <laughs> like yeah. it's yeah. not like we're yeah. get, like. And it wasn't said, like everyone's best games. And it wasn't like a like I understand being mad if they lost. Like I get it. Like everyone is human. Like. Okay, I get it. But and I get I kinda understand everybody's like make your free throws. Like that's just like I know people took it sarcastically when Paint said it, but if you never shot free throws in front of fourteen thousand people, that's just not I get you but okay, just simply, I've never seen a player go hundred percent from the free throw line ever. Yeah. And then it's just not guys aren't trying to miss their free throws. Like they're just not trying to miss their free throws. Like so I think get that, but then also I don't like the Two things I don't like is a personal attacks mm-hmm. like on players. And the reason I don't like that is because like their parents are on Twitter. So it's yeah. like no one wants to yeah. see that about their kid. And then after you lose a game, no one wants to go on there and see themselves being talked about. Because even if nowadays, if one person likes a tweet, it's going to show up on your timeline. So players yeah. don't want to see that. And I know personally, like I was the guy that looked at that type of stuff and it affected me my first year like big time so i know what it could affect or how it could affect a player and then third and i'm no one to even say what's rational or what's not rational but had a had someone tell me they would rather be 15 and 15 and than this team and it's like it just doesn't make sense to me no, yeah no because <laughs> you like i don't like those things like that is kind of and then just like not under i, I don't want to say people expect expectations were too high but you got to enjoy this. I mean, you got to enjoy this type of season. Two years ago, Purdue was 9-11 and 11 in the Big Ten, and they yeah. wouldn't have made the tournament. It just COVID happened. So mm-hmm. this, is, this is not – it's not like we went out and just got a McDonald's All-America or anything like that. This is a team that's grown together. They're still having growing pains, and they're trying. Like when guys – like running a mile in five minutes and 30 seconds is hard. Like there's no fan in the world that's going to tell me – I'm not trying to win a game after I've done so much to even get to that point. So if there's anybody that wants to win and that cares about winning, 
I think it's the guys that's playing. I don't think they're point shaving. So stuff like that, it's kind of like questioning the integrity of the players. I don't like that because I know how much people care. Like you see guys cry after losses. Like you yes. see, I don't know if you guys seen, but Penn State, they were losing. And then it wasn't their senior day, but it was their last home game. And they were losing. And John Harris was in a timeout. He started crying tears. Like, there's no Penn State fan in the world that can tell me just because they finished 11th in the Big Ten that they don't care. Like, he started crying just tears, middle of the game, still had to go back on the floor. Like, that's how much – I think that's how much guys care and they want to win. So, I don't like when – like, getting on a player and, – And they're 20 cool. years old. <laughs> they're 20-year-old yeah, That's kids, the thing is you know? the, your favorite school and, – and Purdue has just as many bad fans as, but, as anybody, but – uh, you know, every team has them. There's bad people out there. And Twitter amplifies those people. They make them louder. But I've never understood how how can somebody go after a, a kid that chose to play f- for your school, come play for your program, wants to wear your collars, you know, that, that it never has made sense to me. And then it's like, if you don't think, like, you don't think, like, the Purdue recruits or, like, the parents of the Purdue recruits are seeing that type of stuff. Exactly. And- it's just who wants to go in that type of environment and just kind of – and then, like, for me, Paint would always say, and this was from when I played, that Purdue has the smartest fans in the Big Ten. He would say stuff like that, like, our fans just want you to go out there and play hard, play the right way, things like that. So now – and I've just got back on Twitter this last year, so I don't know how it was from when I played, but I just would hate for – like, you even hear some of the chants in Mackey now start to change – I just would hate for Purdue's fan base to be looked at as the other fan bases in the league. Like, mm-hmm. no one wants to be that fan base. And right. Purdue has always had just such a respected fan base. And you Did just you don't. see what uh, Kenyon Murray said the Illinois students yeah. said that's, to Chris last night? And that's exactly and that's exactly what I'm talking about. Like, you hear – like some, like I'm saying, like, it's not all fans. Like, like I, that's not none of you guys. But, like, you will see – a fan say he sucks he should never be able to walk again like it's like like i saw a fan <laughs> say something crazy to robbie hummel and it's like yeah oh, dude, you get a grip you know, in this position without robbie hummel so it's like that type of stuff just blows me away and then like you're these guys give their all and they want to win and then you gotta you have to embrace them enough you don't have to coddle them or make them feel like they're just best in the world but you want to be able to come back to campus ryan klein is still coming back to games he loves campus he feels embraced and you want guys to feel that way and keep coming back to campus ray we want to be respectful of your time because and, and not make you do your day job with us all night but a couple things what's it like working for the big 10 network it's been cool it's been really cool and i'm good i can I can talk all night now, but um, but it's been uh, it's been real cool. Uh, at first, it was a little nerve wracking. A few things I had to get used to. Uh, like you got to get used to someone talking in your ear. Like, like right now we're talking, and in the studio, someone if we're going to commercial, it'd be like five, four, three. And you got to learn to time your words up, and I struggled with that at the beginning. Just. <laughs> I'd be talking, and then someone would say something in my ear, and I'd stop talking to try and listen to them. <laughs> and you got to get used, because you, naturally, I'm a listener, so I want to hear what you have, you're telling me, so I stopped talking, and that, 
that was something to get used to. But then also looking at the different cameras, like I struggled with that at first. Like I didn't know that there was a red light on top of the camera and that <laughs> I had no idea. So I'm just looking all around. <laughs> but that was something. But I mean, it's been unbelievable. Like the guys from the top, from Quentin Carter to Alex Bursher, that brought me in to, I mean, you look at these guys when you're playing, like, just see Steven Bardo calling my games. You see how big Andy Katz is just in bas- the basketball world in general. And those dudes are just the coolest dudes in the world. Like, I would have never thought Andy Katz was as cool and just playful and just humorous as he is. And he's just a great dude to work with. I mean, Rick Pizzo, Mike Hall, I mean, Rob, like, Rob checks in with me all the time to make sure everything's going okay. So the support system has been unbelievable with the guys. And he, like, Mike DeCourcier, a Hall of Fame writer, I was kind of brought into that show last minute, and they just kind of really embraced me and really care. And they love basketball. So it's been it's been a lot of fun uh, being able to be on be on the show a lot just because when guys don't guys can't make it I'm the guy they call now because I never say no <laughs> it's been a lot of fun to learn the ropes and I'm still I'm still amazed that this is an actual job but the guys in the atmosphere and the culture of the Big Ten Network matches like the culture of the league I would say like it's, it, it resembles playing like the way you got to rush film and prepare and things like that but it's just a really good time. And then also through it all, I don't want to be long-winded, but like learning about and learning about other coach, coaches and getting to meet them, that's been one of the coolest part about the job as well. Because when you're at Purdue, you think Tom Izzo is like a mob boss. He's no one, no one enjoys Tom Izzo. People paint him to be something that I've learned that he just isn't. Like he, you would think he, like he's a, he brings fear to a room if he walks in to some people but you learn through this job that he's just like an unbelievable human being that he just cares that he cares about the kids more than basketball and I think that's been real cool like I knew was I knew Nebraska I didn't know who Nebraska would get but I knew Nebraska would get someone because of how much coach Hoiberg cared like watching those guys walk through you see the you see that the and at this time they were last place in the Big Ten hadn't won a Big Ten game yet and you would have thought they were top three in the league with Coach Hoiberg's intensity. So you get to learn that type of stuff. But I've had an amazing time. I couldn't ask for nothing else. You're you're really good at it. And watching you, it's like, man, I can't believe this is his first year doing this. I mean, it's like you've been doing it forever. You're really good. Oh, thank I, you. I, I, no, I'm not on, doing anything. You're on special. a lot, too. Yeah, I think I'm on a lot because it started out, November, I think for the full month of November, I was only on for about five times. I think in December, I mean, just people like, I mean, just kind of got lucky. Robbie started to do NBA stuff a little bit. Stephen Bardo started to do NBA stuff a little bit. So it was times where day of, they may ask me to come and I'm going to come. I'm not, yeah. Just, yeah. I have nothing better to do. So I think they kind of understood that and that whenever they needed someone, they can just, I'm, I'm going to be there. So yeah, I've been you, lucky enough to Do you asleep. sleep? I don't think you sleep. Uh, <laughs> I, I sleep I sleep sometimes. Between <laughs> camps and I'm like, yeah, does this guy stop? <laughs> yeah, it's been a, a, I think it's just 
I think it's just a lot of fun. And I, like I always say, watching basketball, like that's how I prepare for games is watching film. Like I'll watch a lot. Like if I was playing James Blackman, I would, would watch the last three or four Indiana games. So like watching basketball is kind of like, like we were in the studio yesterday. I got there, got there at 9.30. I didn't end up leaving the studio till 11.45 p.m. We got there at 9.30 a.m. And it just didn't feel like a full day just because you just, I mean, honestly, you just watch basketball and getting fat. You're, you're, dri- <laughs> you're driving from the fort, man. Yeah, so I drive from Fort Wayne. Like I drove back last night, and it's not that bad. I'm, I could drive it in my – I would want to drive it in my sleep, but I could drive it in my sleep. <laughs> I, I got to say, you're, you you might be an easier interview than Matt Painter, man. We just say a couple words, and you you can fill the space like the best of them with lots of, lots of good words. And I've been waiting for my time to talk since I left Purdue. <laughs> I talked so much that I had to That's finally I reached out. I go, I'm going to reach out to him. There's no way he's even going to receive this. And we responded. I was like, guys. Oh, yeah. I talked to anybody. <laughs> but no, I, um, I appreciate what you guys are doing. I think it's um, I think it's real cool. And I always, always, uh, I'm not, I'm busy, but I always find time. So I think it's um, anytime I can talk about who, I'm always with it. I want to ask you before we let you go one one question from Twitter, and you can choose the answer or not. Um, so Boiler Butter says, uh, "Ask your guest what bar they snuck into while underage at Purdue." It's not it's not considered sneaking in if they let you in though. Yeah, True. no. What what bar let you in? Well, yeah, I guess. Well, I'll, uh, well, okay. Let me actually. No, I was twenty one. I didn't sneak into a bar. All right, that's a good I answer. I to a bar at Purdue until you're not going to get kicked off the team. You're you're good. Oh, no, yeah. you why. <laughs> no. Two reasons why. I would have 100. percent But when you <laughs> and this is when you suck, no one on campus cares enough about you to like sneak you in places. So <laughs> we were last place in the Big Ten my sophomore year. So like we weren't on any frat parties list. Like we <laughs> we couldn't go anywhere. And then also that year. And my freshman year, Paint had put no social media and no going out. We could not go out my sophomore year. So that that put a damper in it. So I, if we – my junior year was my sophomore year, I would have been sneaking in. Like, like PJ, those guys were – they were sneaking in. <laughs> yeah, so I, always PJ, I always tell PJ, he becomes the head coach. He's got to give me a job. Just uh, release all his stories. Him and Grady. <laughs> That's great. You got you got big-time leverage there, huh? So no, that Purdue has been Purdue was a lot of fun. I had a lot of time. I committed there when I was 14. I think no, I just turned 15, and then had my daughter at Purdue. I mean, it just was a, it was a after after the after we sucked, it was a lot of fun. And so, I mean, you, you were recorded recruited by what? Florida, Illinois, IU, Ohio yeah, State. I, I was being recruited by a lot of the big like that. Mata come to my high school. Illinois come to my high school. Yeah, I was talking to Florida and some school like a, like um, UCLA had called. I was being recruited pretty heavily at an early age. But paint like when you asked, did I expect anything? If I'd have went to any other school, I'd have had these expectations. But paint does not sell you a dream. And Jack Owens was my main recruiter. There was no dreams being sold at all. They what you see is what you get. Like paint paint doesn't change. He is who he is. He's been the same guy since I met him. Honest has a lot of integrity, does not cheat at anything he does. It will not cheat. And he, he's fair. 
That's why even with guys like you see Eric Hunter not play that much to start the year. Now he's turned into one of the better players to finish out the Big Ten in the league. So he's a fair guy that he's going to do what's right. But at the end of the day, I don't think the Purdue fans will want anybody else at the at that position because he's like he's he's going to do whatever it takes for Purdue to win. Because I mean we've seen them bench guys like. I could go on and on, but I think he cares about Purdue and Purdue winning. And I think that's the guy you want. A hundred percent. I wouldn't want, you know, I think he gets a lot of grief because he hasn't taken us to a final four, but um, I love him. (laughs) I love him as a coach. I love, you know, um, his integrity, the way he runs a team, his whole style. And I don't think that we could find a better fit for Purdue personally. Yeah. And I don't think, I mean, I know everybody wants that. I, I want to get to a Final Four, too, but it's so hard. And I think people need to win it. Winning is hard, and I think, he'd go, I think he's going to get there. I think they got a good chance this year to get there, especially at this point. I think it's wide open for him, but I think, I think he gets the guys that they're getting, and I think recruiting-wise, they're doing a good job. The next few years should be fun. And I think um, nowadays I mean, you get a lottery pick out of your program. Recruiting amps up a little bit from there, too. So. I think Purdue's in a good spot. That's but, good. You so you think we can make it to a Final Four this season? Yeah, of course. I think I think this season is they have a and you go across the country. It's not as if it's a dominant force. I think I think I think Gonzaga's really good. Arizona's really good. But I put Purdue right there in that mix. They can shoot it in, go inside, and I think it comes down to defensively just keeping the ball in front. But so I, you had just mentioned this, and I wanted to go back and end on a letter note. So you said that when you suck, no one tries to sneak you into bars. So <laughs> I didn't go to Purdue. I went to Iowa. And so my freshman year was Todd Licklider's last year as a coach. And so Iowa played Thursday in the Big Ten tournament, and half the team was in Panama City Beach on Friday. They had bought plane tickets the week before to fly out on Friday because they knew they were going to lose on Thursday and they were going to be done for the year. Oh, yeah. That's crazy. You know, that that happened to Purdue. I had my sophomore year. <laughs> it's crazy. My <laughs> sophomore year, we're on the bus headed to play Wisconsin. And there are guys, and this is, I think, maybe one of the last games of the season, there are guys on the back of the bus on the phone with guys across the conference. Like there was a guy on the phone played at IU and the other guy on the phone played at Iowa. So there are guys across the conference. They're planning their spring break trip on the phone. Like, and it, like you just said, cause spring break is always doing like that big 10 tournament. Like it's all, or just leads yeah, into it or one of the other. Like the last day of classes is like the Friday of the tournament. And then it's exactly. break. So we we they play in their spring break. We win our first game on Wednesday. We lose on a like Tyrone had a shot at the buzzer to beat yeah. Ohio State. And yeah. then we lose that game. Next day they're all in Florida. They're all hanging yeah. out. And then the, if you want to know who it was, the guys transferred after the season. Gotcha. So none of those guys came back. And then next year we came third in the Big Ten. So not gonna say it was well, I am gonna say it was addition by subtraction. We gotcha. Yeah, but um, like you'll see that, and it's so it's so crazy when you think about like when you uh, like 
that year was a shit show. Like you just think about what we did for that year and just if you have just one or like this is man, I know now I'm getting on a tangent. I'm keeping you guys. Oh, go, man. Go. Like when guys talk about or guys, girls, fans, whatever, talk about the transfer rules. Like, don't let a guy transfer. Why does he want to transfer? Whatever, whatever. Or they get mad at a guy for transferring. My entire belief behind letting people transfer is that in. When you have a guy in your locker room that is fighting the system, that wants to transfer, it just becomes just, it tears your locker room down from just top to bottom. It just makes it hard to be in the locker room. Like we had two or three guys in that locker room my sophomore year that just every day, it would be either Paint doesn't know what he's talking about or I'm transferring next year. I got to get out of here to go somewhere and play my game. So it's kind of like for me as a teammate, me as a teammate, I'm like, all right, go. Like, yeah. We, I don't want you to be forced to stay here and then you're miserable. So you make everybody else miserable. And then you're teaching that to the freshmen. And then like we had guys telling recruits, like you think about a CJ Walker who was committed to Purdue. Mm-hmm. He had a guy tell him, a guy from Purdue, tell him that Purdue that wasn't too much sauce. Player. Too much like, sauce. He would have never like, made it to Purdue. So it's just like. That's a, yeah, that's a those, good point. Like, if you want some, if someone, you want the guy, like, I remember after the season, one of our assistants called, it was like, such and such wants to transfer. And my first words were, let him transfer. Like, you just don't want that. You don't yeah. want to be around it. Yeah. And you just wish him the best. Nothing wrong with the person, but you just wish him the best. But when you're in a locker room with guys that don't want to be there, it makes it because the freshmen, they grow into that type of culture. It just makes it, because you think about, that sophomore year we had, all of the freshmen from that season transferred. They None of them graduated from Purdue. It was Kendall, it was Basil, it was Bryson. None of those guys graduated from Purdue. None of the guys in the class ahead of me graduated from Purdue. So you think about Jacob Lawson, Donnie Hill, Anthony Johnson. Like, So it just creates a, just a bad energy in the locker room. Yeah. <laughs> well, I think the only transfer before – Nogel and Harms blindsided Painter. The one that he was upset about was, uh, I'm going to butcher the last name pronunciation, but uh, Sandy. Because because someone got in his ear and told him he needed to go somewhere and be the focus because he was going to get a big European contract if he played. And I remember Coach was upset because he really started to develop behind AJ and looked like, hey, we're going to have two good centers. And then he's like, nope, I'm leaving. Going to, I think he went to like DePaul or something. Or yeah, something. he went somewhere in Chicago. Something like that, yeah. And, and that, and, and honestly, Sandy, like Sandy's one of my favorite teammates I ever played with. But then he's th- probably, he, I think Kendall Stevens, I think he just needed a fresh start. I think just think he needed something new. But Sandy is the one I understood the most because Sandy, played so hard and he did what you asked of him he tried he lifted weights he's coming early leaving late but he just knew he was not going to play more than AJ but he deserved to play more than AJ he just wasn't better than AJ mm-hmm. yeah it was one of those type of deals where I think at the end of the day he just knew he was putting in more work and I don't think he thought it was being valued so because yeah I think Sandy Sandy is a strong dude like that was you're getting a rebound war with Sandy up and dead. That was one of my favorite teammates. I think Kendall Stevens, he just went through such a traumatic event. I think he just needed something new. 
And I don't think outside of that, I think you trans, I think all the other transfers outside of that were more of they just wanted more, but they weren't willing to give more. That is such incredible insight. <laughs> yeah, it really is. Oh no, I t- yeah, it's um, it's a college basketball is like a big drama series, but when you have when you have the guys that like with like how what Payne said the other day, you don't worry about rankings or anything like that. Like all of that stuff is just like us four right now could just create a ranking site and just put up our favorite people first yeah. in Indiana. Like some of like it's a legit like the McDonald's All American like those dudes are really good. The top twenty five are really good, but there's like Jay Nivey was ranked eighty something. Yeah, kind of like Zach Eady. I mean, so it's like you get the guys that fit your system, and I think Purdue has been done a great job. I think, I think even. You look at this team, you, they're comparable to other teams in the past, like with the like maybe not in the same sense, but the same style of play. And I think Purdue has a blueprint and I think paints at this point getting the guys that he wants in this, the locker room. Like I walk into a locker room after a game, win or lose. It's just a good locker room. And I think they got good guys in there. And I think if you want to win, you maybe have to have one crazy person like I was a crazy person. <laughs> my heart was in the right place and I think um, everybody else just kind of like Dakota Mathias is just a great teammate like PJ like Zach and like I, I mean like Isaac and Vince like those are just good dudes like Caleb first is it like I know Caleb's first parents <laughs> he's just a good dude like all around yeah. good dude so I think Purdue is in a good spot that's good to hear Ray thank you so much man uh you didn't need to do this, and I know we don't pay nearly as much as the Big Ten Network. <laughs> uh, I, I will say that, um, man, you, I, you were such an important part uh, to this program, taking it out uh, of where we were to to where you got it, and and that was that was incredible to watch. So thank you know thank you for for being a boilermaker. Oh no, I appreciate that. I always say about stuff like that, like I just happen to be the lucky guy that. Or I was either lucky or crazy enough to believe in what Peyton was talking about. And I just happened to stay. I think those five freshmen plus John Octius, I think what they did that year, they just they just made it easy to come to work. I think I got the credit, a lot of the credit just because maybe I was the loudest. But I think that year, I think those five freshmen and what John Noctius brought, I don't know if John Noctius gets talked about enough just with he just made guys feel good about themselves. Like he was from Miami. He kind of had this like fast paced life. Like, like I talked to J.O. this morning. He just is a different type of dude. So I think he brought a swagger to Purdue even before Carson did that. Carson was able to come and see her. I think that, I think that year was really special and it just kind of is still, it's still lingering on now. But no, I appreciate the compliments. I think, um, the other guys deserve the compliments. I just got lucky. Well, and we just had nobody else to guard. We just had nobody. Like Coach Brantley, my bad. I'm, I'm keeping you guys here. My bad. But good. We just had no, Brantley would ask me every day that summer going into my junior year. He would say stuff like, hey, Ray, who's going to guard a Karis LeVert next year? Or who's going to guard DeAndre Russell? He's a freshman. He's supposed to be pretty good. You know, I say stuff like, you going to let the freshman guard him? Oh, Add again. So he would always kind of play those mind games with me. So that next year, I just happened to be the oldest guard we had, and they put me on the best players, and it worked out. So I had a lot of fun, and 
for Paint to ultimately bring me back and give me a ring after that season they won the Big Ten without yep. me, it uh, it meant a lot. So Purdue for me, I mean, I, I work for Purdue now, so it's it's just home for me, and I, I feel real good about the university. Well, so hopefully awesome. you're one of the last Purdue players that ever has to play in a CBI game. So <laughs> we didn't even talk about the CBI. That was my freshman year. Like we think of like I'm surprised Paint kept his job. You think about Tom Crean. Tom Crean won the Big Ten twice while I was in college. Like Paint, my freshman year, we we lose in the CBI in to San to Santa Clara. And at home, put up, a guy put up 35 and had 30 in the second half. Like it was, and Paint asked us if we wanted to play in it before we played in it. And it was like, oh, that was sickening. And then to follow that up with the last place in the Big Ten, <laughs> like it was days where I know Paint just probably wanted to cut everybody on the team. Those two years were probably miserable. Because you lose in the CBI. Like, I would always ask, like, Trey Dimps. I'm working with Trey Dimps now. And he asked me. He said, why did you guys play in the CBI? I said, you guys never did? He said, no, we just always declined it. So I think I think losing at home in the CBI is one of the low points. But we also I'm, we also were the team that played in the last game of the season against Northwestern in my sophomore year. And we knew before the game, if we win, I think we come in 11th place. If we lose, we come in last place, and we lost on senior day. So we were – Purdue was in the – and that may be why another another reason I'm sensitive about Purdue and the programs because it was in such a bad place. And, like, we had got – we had fans walking out of the arena during senior day. Travis Carroll was speaking. And that moment still sits with me because Travis was just a great dude. So, so to know where that where we were and for for people to act like – that's even close to where they are now. Oh, that really ruffles my feathers. Yeah. <laughs> Just enjoy it. Yeah. 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 First game I attended at Iowa my freshman year, they lost by 15 at home to University of Texas San Antonio. And there was like 45 students at the game. So that's, and then I watched Purdue now. I was like, well, it's, I've had it worse. Exactly. It's been a lot worse. <laughs> Exactly. I think you got to enjoy it. I think you just got to have try to have as much fun with it. Don't let it ruin your day. At the end of the day, it's just a game. And But the guys are trying hard. Jay Nivey played extremely hard, and he wants to win just as much as anybody. And Travion, you go through those ups and downs as a senior. You start to look ahead to what's next. And that is, a, that is something that maybe isn't discussed because people don't know the feeling. But – you see a senior, like a Gabe Brown at Michigan State. You see a senior, like, towards the end of their seat, like me, for my last few games. You see, you start to naturally think, what's next? Like, and that just weighs on you. If you're not playing the greatest, no one's reaching out. So I think at this, but when you go into the tournament, you get just the boost of energy. So I think, I think, I'm excited for this Purdue team. I hope they don't lay an egg, but. I think Travion and those dudes, the seniors, I think they go out on a good note. I think they're, I think they rebound at a high level. They shoot the ball at a high level. The bigs, I think at the end of the day, just got to keep the ball in front. From your lips to God's ears. Yeah. <laughs> I appreciate it. You want to take us out of this, Gabby? Yeah. Um, thank you guys for tuning in. 
Um, this is Game Day Gabby, Habitual Boiler, Royal 23, Rafael Davis with Boiler Up, Beer Down. Um, we're heading into the Big Ten Tourney, and let's hope that the Boilers make a run. Boiler Up. <laughs>